0: Sports Radio 927 WFNZ listening to the replacements Fitty Flounder and Evan Smoke Ludwig here. See, I like it. Um Troppy behind the board, trying to keep us straight, but uh he's a bit of a wild card himself, so you just you just never know. Hour one in the books. We move on to hour two. <sighs> We're gonna get back into the Panthers, back into to Bryce Young's big day, fantastic day. But guys, like like we've seen in a lot of Fun big NFL games this year that have dramatic endings. Officiating kind of overshadows what happens on the field, um, and I think that very much was the case on Sunday afternoon at Bank of America Stadium. Three calls, um, and including two that that led to points for the Packers, really impacted uh, the way this the the outcome of this game. He had a late hit on YGM in the second quarter, an uncalled uh, hit. Um, on ISN when he was hit out of bounds. And, of course, the Dobbs catch on the the, the final Packer drive, which as a guy that watched Des Bryant catch a football here and it get called, it, it get called not go. a catch, Um, that definitely wasn't a catch. Smoke, we, we watch a lot of Panther games together doing pre- and post-game game coverage here at WFNZ. This was not one of them. You were at home. What was the living room like seeing all three calls go against your beloved Panthers? Uh, well, with your dad being a owner of the Packers to yeah. a certain degree,
1: oh, yeah. yes. I forgot yeah. about that element. What well, was that it, like? It was
2: funny. Cause he doesn't really get to watch many games just cause usually he's fixated on trying to, you know, win high school football games, uh, during football season. But, uh, it was interesting. I, like I wasn't really, I was more calm just cause the team's out got nothing really just want to watch Bryce young grow, so I was pretty happy with the performance, <laughs> but the Romeo Dobbs catch, I was like, really that that's, that's yeah. yeah. like, okay. I mean, and you, you mentioned Des Bryant. I, we're probably going to get texts galore saying Cotter caught it, and rightfully so. Yeah. Because the Cotter catch is not a catch, but that's a catch. Like, I we have, over the last 10 years, and I, I don't know if the Des thing started it or just opened our eyes. I know technically Calvin had the same problem in 2010. But over the last 10 years, I have no idea what a catch is supposed to be. It makes no sense. It's I got nothing. Like, I'm like, that. that's a catch. That's an incomplete pass. Oh, that's a catch. I'm like, I... It, there's no chance in really guessing at this point. It's It just depends on who it is, and I have no earthly idea what a catch is. I mean, the the, the play out of bounds of Amir Smith-Marset was frustrating, too, because it's clear his day as he was out of bounds. The ref was looking right at him, yet they didn't call anything. And they called penalty on Cade Mays, which in the, in the grant, well, it actually played a factor because that put more time off the clock, and that time could have been used down the stretch. Yep. But it's like, okay, I get punishing Cade Mays, but he was responding because you guys didn't do your jobs by calling a clear late hit out of bounds. Also, I mean, come on. Like there wasn't really
1: a whole lot there. Now I was in the I was in the booth at that time. Like, was there more was there more there to that? Like did he did he hit him in the face? I didn't really understand how Cade Mays out of all of that was the only guy. That got anything. Now I know. I know. Icky. Icky had one of the greatest flops I've ever seen in my entire life after he gets shoved. I mean, that big man just tumbled right to the ground. But I thought it was very odd. I thought that was that was horrible. Um, I thought. I mean, I thought it should have been on both sides. The worst call was YGM. That that was oh. that was terrible. What do you expect him to do? There was no contact. There was no contact to the head. It was shoulder to shoulder. I, I just like to me. How do you watch that play and say, well, that's a, that's a hit because love throws his head back. Like, come on, man, you guys got to be smarter than that as refs. You've seen it way too many times. Now you got to know, especially with a play and, and look at how that cost them. That was, that led to three points. That was a third down. They're off the field. Dobbs, that catch third down play. Panthers would have been off the field. So yeah. I, it's not the reason that the Panthers lost, but it played a pretty
2: big factor. Well, and honestly, this is kind of weird. It's very rare this happens, but the coin toss also, they got a break there the coin toss, apparently, according to uh, people, because Sunday quarter, uh, pa- uh, Packers quarterback Jair Alexander, Charlotte area native, also made a mistake that would have given the Panthers the ball to begin both the first and third quarter. Via Rob Demoski of ESPN.com, Alexander told referee Alex Kemp after Green Bay won the toss, that the Packers, quote-unquote, wanted to be on defense. Kemp, who could have and arguably should have, according to Pro Football Talk, interpreted that to mean the Packers were ex- exercising to the option to kick the start the game.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, so they they, he said that they wanted to be on defense and they
2: got the ball, Yes, but to start apparently, the, game? Apparently what the Kemp, world is going on. Apparently, mm. Kemp uh, informed the officials to to their plan that they wanted to defer, and so Kemp kind of thought, "Oh, he just messed up his language." Oh, and god! So technically, in the letter of the law, okay. that could have been. So I mean, that's interesting. It even started off the coin toss. That's interesting.
0: Yeah, it was, I mean, it was it was a rough day uh, in that game, and just another rough day around the NFL. Let's hear from head coach Chris Tabor, who was asked if the questionable calls at the end make this loss a little bit different doesn't matter the way the game was lost, the questionable
1: catch by Dobbs and what you see saw in that, and then potentially there being a second at the end after
0: that
3: pass. I think those are going to be great talking points for you. There's going to be a lot of great stories that can be written about that. Uh, we ran out of time. Yeah, he's, he's
0: right. We're talking about it right now. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I, there's nothing I love more than a great coach-speak answer because that's basically his way of saying – Yeah, but I don't want to get my ass fined because I'm an interim head coach and I don't want to pay the fine. That wasn't the juiciest, though, comment that came out of the loss. Here's Adam Thielen on uh, the Dobbs calls, what happens when you play the Packers.
2: Yeah, I saw the whole whole play. Um, I saw a catch and then ball moving as he's going to the ground. Ball moves, controls it again, hits the ground and then
3: loses again the so in my opinion um you know the ball moved twice at two different times so there really wasn't enough time to control the ball you know they say control and then a football move there was no football move um and then he rolls out of bounds so you can slow mo it and say oh one one thousand two one thousand three well, that was in slow and full speed that's no um so kind of what you get when you play the packers
0: hey. Here's the here's the problem. Yeah, is you know if like if, if if Aaron Rodgers was the the opposing quarterback, I, I'm not going to say it would be defended or defendable, but like it would make sense. That's one of the best quarterbacks of all time. The calls are going to go you know that team's way more often than not. Jordan Love's been a nice quarterback, and maybe he turns out to be the guy for the Packers for the next decade and a half or so. But for them to come into the Panthers' home stadium and get those type of calls on what's been a really bad year has to be frustrating when this was a franchise that, you know, had its MVP quarterback at one one time get told you're not old enough to get those calls. And then Jordan love is, is getting calls when he hasn't done anything really of note in the NFL. And then the, the, the Dobbs catch non-catch like at, at, at this point, like what's the point in having officials? What's the point in having replay? What's the point in having, the people in New York, if you can't get it right. Um, and I, I think that's gotta be frustrating because if, 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 if that catch does, you know, isn't, isn't a catch smoke, I feel like, and we can't prove it. You probably feel like Carolina emerges victorious from this
2: game. Oh, I, I definitely think they do because it was what two, uh, three minutes left in the game, uh, right before the two minute warning. Yes. You know, they would have had enough time to easily get down the field, especially with the way they're playing in that fourth quarter. and, I think get a game winning field goal again because at that point it was what 31 uh, 30 if I'm not mistaken. It's no, 30, no, 30 30. 30 30. 30, 30, 30 right. Tie game. Yeah, so I mean that would have easily given you a chance to win a game with Eddie Pinero. But then again, I don't know if you would have trusted Eddie P because that was easily his worst game in Carolina since the Atlanta game last year. So, but still, I mean, could have scored a touchdown, could have changed the complexion of this game. And more so than anything, it would have resulted in Green Bay officially being eliminated from playoff contention. Yeah. Like it, their chances of making the playoffs at this point are still slim, but they still have a shot and they could ha- help their chances this weekend if they beat the Minnesota Vikings.
1: And this is where the conspiracy theories come come from. It's games like this where you watch it and you're like, this is in a home stadium and yet every call is going against the Panthers. I mean, dude, I give it to, I give it to Chris Tabor. Because yeah, I probably would have just came out and said, yeah, we got screwed. Now I will say this. The one that he seemed the most angry about was the play at the end of the game where he thought there was still time on the clock. I I would assume he'll probably talk about it today when he speaks to the media later this afternoon. He'll probably have a different tone. To me, like there was no question; they were out of time. Yeah, that like was it more heated a moment. Yeah, I, 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 think that one, like they, they made the right decision. I think, to be honest with you, and somebody brought this up, and I want to bring this up here and see what you guys think of this. Somebody brought it up to Willie on the post game, and we we're, they were arguing with him on the text line about it. They said that Thielen should have pretended that he was hurt and stayed down on the field. Do you? think Here's the thing with that. I don't think they would have blown the play dead quick enough for you. No. Like, to me, it, it, that's way too much of a risk. I thought Thielen... Well, and don't you have to use a timeout to, to stop the clock anyway? So there's some sort of rule that... Because we thought... Willie thought this, and I, I agreed with him at first. I thought that if he was down, they it, it would be a 10-second runoff because you didn't have a timeout. Apparently, that is the fifth... Like, technically, what would be your fifth timeout? The technical fourth timeout if there is a guy injured. I think there is a penalty that is associated. I think it's like five yard penalty, but there is no clock runoff. Now I don't know how that's possible because any penalty that's called while the clock is running, it's supposed to run the time off. But I don't know. So if that's the case, I mean maybe, but like to me, I I thought from watching it, and I don't know if you guys thought the same thing, I thought Thielen took a little too much just a little too much time to get off off the ground it took him a second to sort of realize like oh crap we got to get up and go um but i I mean the 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 biggest thing honestly in that case and i mean i don't really blame bryce because the play was open that's one where it's got to go to the sideline like you can't you can't throw something in the middle of the field
0: yeah, but I mean, you know, look at all the negatives that that went against against Carolina on Sunday. You, you know, you you got yourself down in a, in a two possession hole in the fourth. You weren't getting the calls. And then, you know, Bryce Young shows up with the, with I mean, the second half was brilliant. He was 16 of 20, basically 200 yards, two touchdowns. And and I just don't like if if you weren't if you weren't a Bryce believer going into Sunday's game. I don't see how you come out of that game no longer believing that he's, he's the guy. Cause I think he showed when he gets the adequate help. And I think that's one thing we've learned about Bryce is I think he's going to have to be a quarterback that needs a lot around him, like a Dak Prescott to be, to get the most out of his talent. And there's nothing wrong with that. But this guy made NFL throws repeatedly on Sunday and made throws that he simply, simply hasn't made all season long smoke as a guy that believed in Bryce going into the game. How much further is that belief after the the performance he put together overall, including that, spe- including that second half?
2: I think it's improved a pretty good deal. It's more so of reassurance because there have been some games like the Saints game a couple of weeks ago. I'd say the Dallas Cowboys game, the Colts game, where it's like, oh, he's starting to regress a little bit. But these last two weeks, he's coming on strong. He's starting to look more like the Bryce that we thought he would. And given the certain equipment and players beside him, it's like, okay, yeah, this is the guy that they traded up for. This is the guy. He's coming into form a little bit more. He's getting back into a rhythm. And if he can continue to do stuff like this in the last two weeks, especially against a team like the Jaguars who's still fighting for the playoffs lives and trying to avoid a collapse, and the Bucks, who are probably going to make the playoffs at this point considering how bad yeah. the NFC South is, uh, and they've actually been playing pretty damn good the last couple of weeks, I think this is a strong sign if he can continue to play like this the last two weeks. Well – Oh, I I didn't mean to cut you off. I I think the other element here is, does this
0: progression, does this growth happen with Frank Reich? And and I I think that answer is no. No. Like, and look, we know Thomas Brown, um, 99.999999% chance he's not going to be back with this organization next year. But he he has coached his tail off the last couple of weeks and has put this young quarterback in a position to be successful more than Frank Reich ever did. And I think you're seeing that you're seeing the fruits of that labor really come to fruition on the field because I mean, he hasn't looked great like I'm still not saying he's doing what CJ Stroud has done before he got concussed but you 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 you're seeing the pieces you're seeing the elements of a guy that had you know Dave Tepper crashing a press conference saying guys we we found the dude he's a point guard he's going to spread the ball around um and that's and that and that's what you're looking for at, at 2 and 13 is something to be excited about going into next year, and if you're not excited about your quarterback, then maybe you're just a miserable person. So, um, huh. with that, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Florida State had a board meeting on Friday afternoon before Christmas, uh, that puts the future of the <laughs> ACC once again in pair. We'll talk about that, bowl season, and a whole lot more. You're listening to the you're listening to the replacements, Fitty, Flounder, and Smoke on Sports Radio ninety two seven WFNZ. I thought Mac and Bone were about to start talking, but they, uh, oh, yeah. yeah they dude. are not here. Mac's in Pennsylvania drinking Henny with his mom. Bone's at home with Mabel. He's sick, by the with, way, with the flu. He has uh, put together a oh, Jordan like performance through the Christmas holiday. He was the first. So we have a group on the
1: side it's me, Fitty, Willie, Mac, and Bone. Bone, this morning, 7 a.m shooting in a text how about that clutch performance the man by the way he said this before on air this this dude says that he wakes up 3 45 every day no matter what i don't get how he does Can't that. sleep in i i look man and you would know this too because you used to work early mornings in construction like on weekends or if you had off days like did you still wake up at that? T- I sleep later. I, I there's no way I could that that my body just would tell me okay you got to wake up that time every single
0: day. Yeah, I mean like when I when, when my wake up time used to be five five thirty four forty five whatever. Like I'd get to seven, but like by seven you're up and then you start doing stuff. It's different. Like now in yeah, like, yeah. radio, like I slept yesterday till ten thirty mm. after going to bed at like eleven fifteen ish Christmas night. And then got home and took a big old cat nap. So, um, but radio's exhausting. Um, a tiger nap? No, I'm not going to acknowledge that. You know what else is exhausting? Okay. Is is conference realignment and these these schools here he goes that have this ideology that they're better and they're bigger than the conference and everybody and their mother wants them to to leave the ACC and join the SEC or the Big Ten. And on Friday, you know, while people are traveling for the holidays and getting ready, you know, getting ready to to celebrate Christmas with their families, Florida State and their uh, their board of egos called a meeting to discuss their future. <laughs> I like that uh, in the ACC. And I think what came out of it um, is that they plan to sue the ACC for five hundred and seventy two million dollars. Um, And somehow along the way, they found that they that ESPN will quit paying them after 2027. Funny how no one else has found out that information as they're trying to find some sort of way to to leave the ACC and get out of the grant of rights. that has everybody kind of strangleholded until 2036. But, you know, Smoke, the, the funny thing is, is we're not hearing anything from the two players that they want Florida State. We haven't heard anything from from the SEC, and we haven't heard anything from the Big Ten saying they want the Knowles, they want that brand in their conference. It makes a lot of sense for the SEC because they got Florida; they've already got a school in that market with a great football following. The Big Ten doesn't, but the Big Ten also has the you know the four premier brands in the West Coast that could probably make up for not having a brand in Florida. And I, I think what's going to be, what, what, what Florida State's going to find out when this is all said and done, they're going to be like us at a dance. No one to dance with. And they're going to have to settle. Wow. Settle Aww. for the Big 12. And you know what's really, really funny about all of this is if you go back to 2011 when realignment kicked up again, A&M, Missouri to the SEC, Rutgers, Maryland to the Big Ten, everybody thought then the ACC was, die- was going to die and it was going to fall apart. And guess where they had Clemson and Florida State ending up in the Big 12? And it looks like that very well may could happen because they're not the most two premier brands that these conferences want. You know, depending on which conference, Carolina is obviously the premier brand, and then Virginia is the secondary brand. And you know, at some point, this has to end. And, look, a lot of this is weak leadership on Jim Phillips's part, who's arguably the worst commissioner in the history of athletics. Mm. But I think Florida State's going to learn a harsh reality smoke. If they do, in fact, leave the, leave the ACC, they're not as desired as they think they are.
2: Yeah, it, it, as of right now. Look, I, I think we all know, being here right now in 2023, almost 2024, we know... The year of our Lord, that is. Thank you very much, Willie P. Uh, <laughs> who's probably on the plane right now as we speak. No, he leaves later tonight. He's oh. listening in. Oh, okay. What's up, Willie? We should call him. <laughs> what is up, dogs? Um, <laughs> sorry. I, but we all know that the, they're not going to get away with this right now. Like, at the earliest I think it could happen is when the, the option could potentially get picked up in 2027. Like, no one is going to pay that at give them all this money As they're losing five hundred seventy-two million dollars for the exit fee, and how many years are left on the deal? So, uh, essentially, for me, this is all hot dog and a grandstanding right now. They're trying to take advantage of it due to what happened to them earlier in the month, which they they should have a right to be frustrated, as they are for not making the college football playoff. But I, I just look—we we we all know it's going to end like this. But let's just wait five years, okay? We know by the end of this decade, you guys are probably going to leave, and maybe by then. The conference will probably, and I I would think so, both conferences specifically, the Big Ten and the SEC will say, hey, now we can do it. But as of right now, the SEC and the Big Ten don't want to do it. And plus, ESPN and Fox doesn't want to do it because guess what? They just signed those TV deals that are just now going into effect starting next year.
1: Great point. Great point. I think the thing that you have to wonder, and, and it's very interesting that you brought up the point that they we have not heard any of those conferences linked to Florida State. Normally when this happens, remember when just the last round, remember when Oregon and Washington were being rumored? We heard that for how many months that the Big Ten was going after them. We have not heard anybody say, yeah, we're pursuing Florida State. And part of the reason why, how many more schools are you going to add and divide up the revenue? At some point, these schools are going to be like, is this really worth it? Because the pot is getting divided so much that I'm not, I mean, you're not going to probably be in the same range as, say, the ACC. But you're still, it's not going to be that big of a sum to where you'll say, okay, that's really worth it. And the other thing is, at some and I mean, for Florida State, I mean, I guess they feel like, especially in football, that they can compete in the SEC and the Big Ten. I might be wrong. Um, I would think, especially in the ACC, like, here's the thing. You stay in the ACC right now, you're probably going to make the college football playoff. You and Clemson will probably make it just about every year. Um, because you'll just, you'll just switch on and off. There might be another team that jumps up in there. I mean, NC state, the way they've, they've hit the transfer portal, it's possible. Um, you know, Miami, the way they've recruited in the past, I'm not even going to bring uh, up Carolina. I wouldn't uh, even bring up Miami. I mean, look, the the way that they recruit, I mean, one day maybe, but I don't know. But that's the thing. Why would you want to leave that and go to the sec Per se, where? What do you, I mean? Are you sure every single year there's a path to nine wins for you to even get you in the conversation? Like, I got to be honest. Where do they? Where do they stack up in the hierarchy of the SEC? Are they ahead of Georgia? Are they ahead of Alabama? No, not those. Where days. are they? They're in the range of probably like Tennessee, right? Somewhere in that range. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at like, a
0: situation where. And look, we all know even when the playoff expands next year, and, and it's time for the playoff to expand. It's going to be the Big Ten and the SEC Invitational with you know a couple of you know a couple of automatic qualifiers that are going to it, but to still get in, like you're going to have to be you know, at worst nine and three, and in the SEC you got to go through Bama, Georgia. I think LSU's in that category. Texas coming off a playoff appearance. Um, I think Oklahoma's trending towards being back to being the OU program that we've known them to be. That's a good point. Yeah, you mean, get the yeah. Big Ten, Ohio State, Michigan. Um, I think Oregon and Washington, one of them will be a feature in the playoff every year moving forward. Um, you got Penn State, so you, you know, and like I get it because we everyone knew when we got the field on Sunday, on Selection Sunday, that an undefeated SEC Big Ten team, even with a third string quarterback, would not have been left out of the playoff. Yes, like, and we we all know that, we all agree on that. But the committee made the right decision because you, their job is to put the four best teams. And Florida State, as currently constructed in that moment, was not one of the four best teams. But that doesn't mean that you get your panties in a wad, and you throw a temper tantrum, and you want to leave to go play second fiddle again. And like, look, if Florida State had been playing this level for a decade and got screwed time and time again, I'd hear your argument. I, you lost to an FCS school two years ago. like, And look, you're a great program. And our conference needs you. And college football is better when Florida State's in the role that they've been in this year. But it's not like they've just been routinely getting left out of the dance because Clemson for a decade has been the best the, the, the best power. And so I think that's why you've seen Clemson kind of quiet down because I think they realize, look, are we getting the money that the SEC and the Big Ten schools are getting? No. But can we still achieve what we want to achieve here, which is build a national title contender and be a playoff program year in, year out? Yes. And if you do that with the new TV money coming in, you're going to make up that money in the long run. If you win two or three playoff games. And, and so like, as a guy that loves this conference, you, you know, it, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking to see an outsider come into the conference. And now they want to leave because it's they like they're getting wrongfully done. When in reality, you hurt our conference's reputation because we sold our souls to make football money just to bring you here in the first place.
2: Well, and here's another thing too, like, a lot of this is their own doing as well with the way they've handled their money. They've fallen behind on money in recent years, which was a big factor in why you firing coaches left and right. going to happen. Well, that well, jet and just the previous decade, prior to that, like their money was tight. they were spending more money in basketball than football at one point. And, you know, it kind of worked in some ways because Leonard Hamilton has built a respectable program for the most part at mm-hmm. Florida state. But ever since the COVID year, they've kind of fallen off. So, and I think that's played a part of fact. That. That's why Jimbo left. That's why Jimbo left partially because the money was not there. No, I'm right. Uh, yeah. He clearly got the money from Texas A&M. That worked out great. <laughs> it worked out great for him, not Texas A&M. But yes, I mean, that's another problem. Like the Florida state was, you know, doing themselves in as well with the way that they were not using their money in the right way. They're putting money in other sports compared to football. when football's always been their bread and butter and all the, you know, previous six years, essentially ever since the twenty sixteen year, where we thought, oh, DeAndre Francois could be something, up until uh, late twenty twenty two, it was what the heck is going on at Florida State? Yep. So, yeah,
1: I mean, one of the other things that's real interesting you you brought up, you know, how long it could possibly take <laughs> them. Like people need to realize that this lawsuit is not going to be a short one. It's going to take no. time. Yeah. So if you think this team is gone by the end of next year, like it ain't happening. I I, I hate to break it to you. And I think that's where Florida state is at. And they feel like that. The thing that would be hilarious is if they go through all of this and then they start realizing with the new playoff, Hey, we're making the playoff field every year. We keep winning the ACC. One of the other things that didn't get brought up, by the way, expanded playoff field, uh, only conference champs can get buys. So, Well, although they may have to revise that, I guess, but still you would imagine that they'll still keep in. If you are one of the three conference champs, you get a buy. You don't think Florida state would like a buy where they don't have to play in the first round. Like I I just, to me, there are so many more benefits and it's why I've seen it from, from Florida state fans, which I, I don't get, but I guess I get it a little bit more, um, Haven't really seen it from Clemson fans, but I've seen a lot of Toriel fans. I've seen a lot of Virginia fans that say, get us out of this conference, get us into a new cut. Why the hell would you want to leave this conference? Seriously? Clown show. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me, especially like, especially Carolina and Virginia in football. You really think you're going to these other conferences to even remotely compete You'll be lucky if you win four games.
2: Well, I think it's solely because of money.
1: Yeah. yeah. But like, but here's the thing. How much money are you honestly making? If you like, if you make this move now, you're going to be losing money for 10, 11 years. Like it's, it's going to take you a while to make up that type of money. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't understand it. I think it's to, to be honest with you with Florida state, it's annoying. Like, guys, you got left out of the playoff field. I think it was for good reason, but I get the arguments that some have that they should have been in the field. At the same time, guess what? You want a solution to this moving forward. You got one. It literally starts next year. Next year, you don't have to worry about this. If, you fa- if you're if faced with the same situation, you're in. Yep. So I just, like, why are we going this extra step? That doesn't make any sense.
0: You know, growing up, whenever we'd get to bowl season, you, you'd put a lot of stock in conference versus conference matchups. How important is it for the ACC to show well this bowl season? Like, you know, do, 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 do you think it changes the reputation because they – had a winning record against the SEC in the regular season, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yes, you know, like if Carolina beats West Virginia, if if Clemson wins their bowl game, like you know, Duke's are no Duke, Duke beat you know Troy, Troy huge so win. You know, it doesn't really count a big win. But like boy. you know, are, 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 as as ACC guys, are you putting a lot of stock in and what they do, or no? Because you just realize like it's not gonna it's not gonna calm the the conference realignment storms like these schools are still going to want to get out of here.
2: No, because we saw it happen. We tried to fall into this trap in 2016 when the ACC completely blitzed the SEC in the bowl season. And they also won the national title with Clemson beating Alabama. And I remember all the talk, the hubbub uh, from people at ACC media days. It's like, Oh, the ACC is now the best conference in football. That, that went quiet very quickly, very, very quickly. And plus now like so many people, you don't put as much stock in a bowl season as we used to. I mean, for crying out loud, the joke in the SEC is the SEC has never lost a bowl game because they'll just say, oh, it's bowl season. Everyone hit the transfer portal anyway. So uh, unfortunately that's what it's going to be like for that to change. It's going to take multiple national championships and possibly by multiple schools because it, you know, when Clemson was winning national titles, it's like, well, it's just Clemson and everybody else. They got the cupcake schedule. And in some ways they were right. But in some ways it was also because the division's, were around in the Coastal was so bad compared to the Atlantic. Now, at least, you have it a little bit more beefed up since the Atlantic and Coastal are no more. And if you were to have multiple teams enter the playoff and you have champions you know, almost each every year, I think that could change. But it's going to take a lot of work for that to change. And I just don't think there's enough time for that to happen.
1: Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I could see Florida State and Clemson if they stay in the conference. I could see both of them make in the field a couple of times. I think especially the way, like, like, take next year, for example. Florida State wins the ACC, but let's say Clemson opens the season and beats Georgia and has the one loss to Florida State. You don't think that team, like, well, I mean, I guess you'd have to factor in the ACC championship. I'm essentially man.
2: giving it a five-year window.
1: Like, I I, I don't know, man. I, I, feel like, I, I feel like Big Cat Dan said it best. The money isn't great, but the path to get to where you ultimately want to go is better. And, and from what Florida state has told us with the backlash that they've given to being left out of college football playoff, that's what matters, right? It's not the money you're worried about making the playoff. Correct. Or are you lying? Which is probably true. Not shocking. But yeah, I just, I, I, I mean, to me, it makes no sense. And complainer in chief brother, you really think even Carolina, a couple of years in the sec, they can compete. Come on, bro. What is compete? Make a bowl game? Probably. Jesus.
2: Probably. Yeah.
0: Stop it. From a board of egos to a board up with an ego, it's time for shropping it like it's hot. Mm. Oh,
3: boy. Mm. All right. What a transition. What a transition. So, guys, you know I have to sneak in a little hockey update Ooh, here. Oh, how about You it? know I had to do it. So, this one's actually about the All-Star weekend coming up oh, in lovely. January. So, there will be 44 All-Stars. Um, but... For the skills competition, they will find 12 guys, eight will be selected by the Players Association, and four will be selected by the fans, and they have completely revamped the uh, the actual skills competition. So, there will be a draft, but the way that it's going to work is that basically there's going to be six events, and each of the 12 will compete in four of the six. So there's going to be fastest skater, hardest shot, stick handling, one-timers, and passing challenge and accuracy shooting. So you got to get
1: complete players is basically
3: what Yes. Okay. So uh, huh. it'll be a point-based system. So first place is five points, and okay. it goes down. Uh, so the top eight will advance to the seventh event, which is the shootout. Um, and the shootout is cool because there's eight goalies for the eight players. And if you were last in those, like say you were the last guy to get in to the next round, you get to go first, and you get to pick the goalie that you want to go against.
1: Okay, so I I volunteer Auntie Ranta as one of the goaltenders. Oh geez, um, that would go very well. <laughs> yeah, uh, for some of the guys there, that that's that's interesting. It's a little different than in years past, um, where you have to be more strategic about the guys that are in those events. Now, Strop, how many guys do you honestly think the Hurricanes get in? the they they have been. There have been a lot of All-Stars in recent years. Do you think there's a lot of guys
3: going this year or not much? I would say we have one. I would say one, one that's solid it for one. for
0: Stanley Cup preseason favorites? That's damn right it is. Well, Man, they just must not have skated hard enough in the first half of the year. Oh, years, my crap. God. Got to get a better you know, routine down. Is this going to be judged the way that ice skating is judged in the Winter Olympics? You shut your mouth.
3: But also, <laughs> That's a yes, by the way. But also the winner of the competition uh, in the end, walks away with one million dollars to their name.
1: Okay, well oh, that's wow. some incentive. Yeah, man. that's a little bit of incentive, I right? there. he had that kind of
3: money.
0: Not bad. All right. Well, there was a uh, rather pointless update from our man. Oh my god! Whoa, when whoa, we come whoa, back, whoa. what a mm. what a cheek soul! <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> when we come back, we'll deliver our closing arguments from the first and hopefully not last edition of the, repla- of, the of the replacements. Right here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Welcome back to Fitty. Flowing smoke and shromp on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Oh, it's uniform, Nate. Love you, Nate. Um, Thanks for listening, brother. Although, like, flowing flound is not a is not a bad like secondary name to go with. That could be taken many different ways. So, um, yeah, sure. You we'll know, go with and then and then shromp is just <laughs>
1: shromp. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why I so, do gra- so degrading. I feel like that's oh. just like an intentional like. That just sounds you're shrompy.
3: Maybe I deserve it after giving the long-winded hockey update. I, you, know. yeah, we, I mean, we did get a <laughs> text possible. from
0: uh, Randy from Orlando saying you were losing the audience well, there, he so a good
3: radio lesson from you.
1: Go to Disney, Randy.
0: He also spelled losing wrong, so I'm not taking it too <laughs> seriously. <laughs> but yeah. he's from Orlando, uh, so you know, don't hold that against him. Spelling isn't their forte down there. <laughs> what? Um, what is <laughs> what's with Orlando? Okay. Smoke, have you ever wished that you had a, a, a secondary nickname or like, you know, a Smoke just like, if, if we were to give you something else, like, is, would you even have a suggestion? Big Pimpin'.
2: Well, I was called as a kid Big E, so... Big E? Dude, I like Biggie. I Oh, like Biggie. Yeah. No, no. No. Big E, what up?
0: <laughs> Big E. So you whenever go. you start coming in, you know, to do the clubhouse, if I just give you a Big E, I
2: don't mind it. It's huh? not the Some clubhouse. Some people call it, There's one... <laughs> I still call it that. I mean, okay. it's, it's
0: still the clubhouse. Yeah. I mean, it might be the Kyle Bailey show... It's still the clubhouse. Um, okay. Oh we, we might we we might have to work that in because like you know, Flound's got very different variations to his name. Floundino. Floundino, Flounde, um Flounderousky. dog um, there you yeah,
2: yeah. You know, you
0: got fit, fit ma uh, fitmeister, fit, fit dog. dog. Yeah it's a um,
2: classic.
0: You know. Fit hole now. Bruh. <laughs> Fithole would be very appropriate for me on, on Sunday. I think that's perfect. I actually like that one right there. Okay. Um, all right. So we're, we're all sports nerds here. Yeah. Right? Smoke, I imagine you grew up back when ESPN actually had a pulse and it mattered. You used to watch oh the sports God. reporters on
2: Sunday morning? Uh, from time to time, yeah. Actually, that would usually be around the time we were at church, though, so probably not. Yeah, how about that?
0: Well, I mean, at least least you were in church then. Can't say the same for you now. Oh, uh, my God.
3: Whoa. Um, (laughs) Whoa, whoa,
2: whoa. I'm still still a man of faith as there's a drive deep into left center field.
0: (laughs) So I figured it'd be a fun way to end the show with us doing what they used to do, their closing arguments, their final words. Smoke, we'll let you go first, and I think you said yours is a – Hornets related?
2: Oh, not Hornets related, but the previous name related, because see, last night, the Detroit Pistons made history as they lost their 27th straight game. That is the most losses consecutively within a single season in NBA history. Mm. And so now, you know, one more loss for them to tie the all time record of 28, which was set by the tanking uh, Philadelphia 76ers about eight or nine years ago. So I kind of got to thinking, how bad does it have to get for the Detroit Pistons to top the 2011-2012 Charlotte Bobcats in terms of winning percentage? Because, of course, the 2011-12 season was a lockout, shortened year, so they didn't play all uh, 82 games. The Bobcats finished 7-59. and Well, that team had a 10.606 winning percentage. For the Pistons to top the Horn- Bobcats, they would have to finish the season eight and
3: seventy four. Mm, well, they're only on pace for six wins. So, well,
2: yeah, I, I, it's very hard for them to top that. Like, I don't know if they're going to be that bad. I think they can get to ten wins, but then again, they have to win a game first to break this current losing streak. So, to put in perspective, that all they need to do is win seven more games. Ironic enough, uh, and they would top the eleven twelve Bobcats. Do you think it's going to happen, though? Because, gosh
0: knows, this team...
2: There's still a long ways to go in the NBA season for that to happen.
0: You know, and look, n- n- not many teams you could say have officially quit on December 27th. Detroit's officially quit, so... I would say no, because I believe at
1: some point, and I know you love this guy, and I, I don't think this should be that much of a reflection on him, I would think they'd probably let Monty Williams go. You probably have an interim coach, and maybe there's some sort of boost where they win. I don't know.
2: They need to clear out three and five or something. The ineptitude in that front office needs to go. Plus, there's so much. It, the front office structure kind of reminds me of some of the early Bobcats years too, because there's so many. There's there's nepotism hires. Now there's yeah. differences. Nepotism and FOF or FOM, friend of Mike, but they're <laughs> same result. They're bad. So I, front office has to go before Monty, but I don't know if that's going to happen. And also, like,
0: you know, as a guy that grew up loving the mid-2000s Pistons teams, they were my first ever NBA team that I, that I clung to. Um, I, I kind of enjoy seeing this level of ineptitude because you moved out of a basketball cathedral, which was the Palace of Auburn Hills, to move to a brand new arena named after a bottom-tier fast-food pizza company. Like this gotta is do Like this is what you get when you play in Little Caesar's Arena or whatever the hell that arena yeah, is I'm called. Sure, I'm sure that's behind the
1: the lack of success.
0: Um flound, okay. Closing argument from you? Uh
1: Well, I think I think you're going to go Panthers. So I'll I'll go I'll go Tar Heels for today's game. Uh I mean, you said earlier that there should be no hope. Uh don't watch the game if you're a Tariel fan. It's not what I said. I would say tune in. No. I would say tune in and and I think look I think there is a chance that Carolina could win the game just based on what we've seen this bowl season. I mean, there were games, especially early in bowl season, teams that, I mean, I forget, I think it was Ohio, without their top three quarterbacks, rolled a guy out there, found a way to win that game, what was leading that game by a pretty significant margin at one time, too. Um, I mentioned Duke over Troy. I think it's possible. I think that today... You'll, you'll see Carolina bring a little bit of emotion to this game because it's going to be guys that are going to get their first chances. Um, you wonder if there's there's certain guys that are veterans that are kind of looking around and realizing, hey, we got to start doing something here or else back the rest of this staff. They might not be here much longer. I think you'll see an inspired performance from Carolina. I, I, I don't think they're going to win the game but I do think that it is certainly possible that Carolina could pull out the victory because we have seen some crazy stuff here in bowl season.
0: All right. My, my closing argument is going to be Panther related and there it's that is. anything is possible. If a guy like complainer in chief can quit being a doubter and rookie quarterback, Bryce Yard, what a moment. Friday, They're like KG said they won the finals in 2008, anything is possible Okay, guys, you I'm going to need
1: Yeah, okay, what was that? Uh, my <laughs> voice cracked. That um, was wow. <laughs> what know, time did that happen
3: at? Let me see. It was 11.53. Uh, okay. Uh, but Flounder <laughs>
0: probably talked over because that's what he does best and ruined oh, the drop. But, man. you know, for a guy that uh, has endured a lot as a rookie and, you know, had a fired head coach and an offensive coordinator whose wife was tweeting about them being fired as soon as the season came to an end, this guy's endured a lot been sacked the second most of any quarterback in the NFL. And all he does is get back up and make play after play after play. And if Sunday wasn't it, I think he proved, uh, if you're, if you are already on the fence by Sunday, he proved to you, he's going to be a guy worth cheering for. You got your franchise quarterback and hopefully the next decade plus is going to be a lot of fun watching Bryce Young sling the ball around at bank of America stadium. All right. And well, with that, that's going to wrap up the first, maybe the last, hopefully not the last edition <laughs> of The Replacements featuring Fitty, um, Flow and Flounder. There it is. Big E. He's in. And yep. Shrop. Yep. We'll hopefully be back with you tomorrow from 10 to 12. Check us out again this afternoon. Three to six, floundering myself down live at the doghouse, getting you ready for the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Um, Keep it right here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.